All right, welcome to another lesson from our Healing University. And uh, my name is Barry Bennett, and I'm going to be with you for the next hour uh, sharing the Word of God about healing and how to receive healing. And in this particular lesson, I am uh, really excited because I get to share something that I really enjoy talking about, and that is the power of our attitude and the power of expectation with regard specifically to healing, to anything in our lives. We have a very powerful, we can say, weapon, if you will, uh, that can be used for us or against us in terms of how we approach life, how we receive from God, how we understand God, how we understand ourselves, and how we evaluate the circumstances around us. And all of these things can be wrapped up into a, into a subject that I'm going to call anticipation or expectation or attitude. What is your attitude toward life? And more specifically, what is your attitude toward health and healing? And how do you see those things and how do you approach them in a very practical way in your life? And so I'm going to be going over some scripture with you and uh, giving you some things to think about in terms of our attitude. How we approach life and how, whether or not we are positive or negative people is going to have a lot to do with the kind of life that we enjoy or don't enjoy. Or we could put it this way, the kind of attitude we have is going to determine the kind of harvest that we have in our lives. What we expect from life. And depending on how we were raised, we all have certain kinds of expectations depending on the input from our culture, from our teachers in school, from our parents, from our friends. The kinds of input that we have had sewn into us are going to form an outlook on life that we have or they can. And so that outlook then is going to be positive or it's going to be negative and it's going to have a lot to do, a lot of influence with how we walk in health and, and peace and relationships and any number of things. Proverbs 23.7, and I'm sure you've heard this verse many times, it says, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Or in other words, how we think about God in our hearts, how we think about ourselves in our hearts, how we think about the world around us, how we think about the subject of health. All of these things are coming from our heart. And as we allow our heart to think or to view life, that is what we're going to harvest in life. As we think in our heart, so are we. In Matthew 12, 34 and 35, Matthew 12, 34 and 35, it says, For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. Or there is an abundance of something in your heart. And one of the fastest ways to tell what is in the heart is by what comes out of the mouth. For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. And so if we hear ourselves speaking negative words, words of fear, words of worry, words of anxiety, words of negativity, words about it never works out for me and everything always goes wrong and that kind of thing, that's coming from somewhere and according to the word of God, it's coming from your heart. For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks, and it goes on to say a good man out of the good treasure of his heart 
will bring forth good things. Future. Your future is in your heart. An evil man out of the evil treasure or the evil condition or the, the fearful condition, or you could add lots of adjectives here, uh, the anxious condition of the heart, the fearful condition of the heart, the nervous condition of the heart, the, the ex- bad expectation uh, condition of the heart. Out of the heart, you're going to bring forth evil things or you're going to bring forth good things. And so it says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So all of us have an attitude or we have an expression or we have a level of expectation about life. We have, whether we realize it or not, we've made decisions about how good God is and whether he's really, really good or whether he's just a little bit good depending on how I do. You may not have thought about it like that, but you have an attitude toward God. You have an attitude toward yourself and that's your heart And from your heart, you're going to speak about God the way you feel about God. You're going to speak about yourself the way you feel about yourself. And those words and those attitudes are going to have impact in our health, how we live. And not just physical health, but mental health, emotional health, relational health. Uh, Everything in our lives is going to be impacted by what goes on inside of our hearts. Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart... With all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Or everything that goes on in your life is coming from your heart. The way you approach circumstances, the way you approach relationships, the way you approach what the doctor had to say uh, in your last visit, those are the issues of life. And it says, watch over your heart or keep your heart with all diligence for out of its spring, the issues of life. The image you carry on the inside of you and the image you carry of God is a prophetic picture of your future. It's a powerful, powerful thought. Let me say it again. The image you carry on the inside of you, in your heart, of you is a prophetic picture of your future. The image you carry on the inside in your heart of God is also a prophetic picture of your future because you're going to limit yourself and limit God to how you see him and how you see you. And so if you see yourself as sick, if you see yourself as needy, if you see yourself as weak, if you see yourself as helpless, then those are that, that's your future in a, in a vision, in a picture, in a prophetic form. That's what you see, because out of that heart, you're going to bring forth either good or evil, either either positive or negative things in your life. The sick often see themselves as sick. Now, this is where we really get into, we're talking about attitude. There are many sick Christians who have a vision of themselves or an image of themselves as being sick. That's how they see themselves. That's how they evaluate. They get up in the morning, they evaluate how they feel. They evaluate what hurts. They evaluate according to what medicine they might want to take that day or they've been told to take. They see themselves as sick, trying to get well. Whereas people with a healthy heart 
will say, with a good image of God and a good image of themselves, if sickness comes against them, they don't see themselves as sick trying to get well. They have a different attitude. They see themselves as healed, resisting sickness. They see themselves as more than conquerors, resisting an enemy. They see themselves as victorious, but momentarily afflicted, but they're not going to identify with the affliction. People that see themselves sick have identified with the sickness, and that has become their new identity. And they will talk about my cancer, my diabetes, my doctor said this, that I have to take my medicine, and this is mine, and that is mine. And they're almost proud of all the things that are wrong with them. They have taken uh, an identity based upon the, what's in their heart of, of negativity, an expectation, an anticipation, uh, an attitude about life, that my life is going to be one of chronic sickness. I'm a sick person. I want to get well, but I am sick. And that's an attitude. Whereas a well person will have a completely different approach and say, this shouldn't be. I, I am a whole person. I am a healthy person. I walk in the grace of God. And something's coming against me. I'm going to be done with this thing. No, it's, I am not going to identify with this. I had a, uh, a friend years ago, who uh, a co-worker. And I won't go into all the details of the story, but we'll say that uh, to, to compress this story a little bit, I uh, found a rattlesnake under a couch in the living room of their house. A four-foot-long rattlesnake was living in the living room of their home in a North Dallas neighborhood uh, under the couch, living under the couch. And there were grandchildren involved in all kinds of things, and no one knew until one day they decided to move the furniture. And when uh, one of the members of the family picked up the couch, he heard the rattlesnake. And he immediately went to the garage and brought back the necessary tools with which to take care of the problem. He killed the snake. Here's the, here's the thing. I'm, we're talking about attitude. He didn't stop to pray about the snake. Right. Oh, Father, did you send me a snake to bless me? Or did you send me a snake to teach me something? Or do you want me to make let this snake make its home with us. None of those kinds of crazy thoughts went into, into it. He didn't, start, he didn't pray at all. He recognized the danger. He went to the garage, got whatever he got to take care of it, lifted up the couch, killed the snake. That was his attitude, that a snake doesn't belong in the house. Now, other people might have a different attitude. Uh, perhaps some would see a snake in the house and run out the front door and down the street and never come back. That's an attitude. All right? Others might say, well, we have a snake in the house. It's in the living room, so I guess we'll board up the living room. We won't go there anymore. We'll just stay away from the living room, and we'll live in the rest of the house. That's an attitude. Or in other words, how you adjust to the problem, the circumstance, is going to come from your heart. It's an attitude. So either you're going to kill the snake, you're going to board up the living room or you're going to leave the house and never come back. Those are attitudes. How we approach our health really shouldn't be any different. If you're dealing with a sickness, if you're dealing with a cancer, I don't care how severe your issue is, it's a snake in your life. And your attitude is going to determine how you deal with it. Are you going to kill it 
Are you going to not live the way you want to live? You're going to adjust your lifestyle? Or are you going to just simply check out and not have anything, you know, just live the life of a sick person? What is What will be your attitude about an affliction that comes towards you, that tries to attack you? Someone who is has a healthy heart, we'll say, a healthy image of God, a healthy image of themselves, that knows who they are in Christ, that knows the promises of God, is going to recognize a snake and say, I'm going to kill the snake. Someone who's unsure about healing is going to say, well, maybe this is from God. Well, you wouldn't accept a snake from God. Well, sickness is a snake. It comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But it, it will live in your house as long as you'll let it. See, some of us need to get stirred up and get a proper attitude about things that attack the kingdom. Sickness attacks the kingdom. The kingdom of God within you is being attacked by a sickness that is trying to steal, kill, and destroy your life. And you need to get an attitude if you don't have one. Not just passively waiting for the snake to leave, but you, me, we need to attack these problems with faith, with the word of God, with the authority of Christ, and not put up with whatever is coming to steal our lives. But that's an attitude. That's, a, that's an approach to life. It's an expectation that we need to adopt. As you think in your heart, so are you. If you think of yourself as a home for snakes, you're going to have snakes. If you think of yourself as more than a conqueror, then you're going to kill the snake. It's an attitude. It's an, it's an expression of how you see you and how you see God. Romans 12.2. Romans 12.2 says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I, I hope you are aware that the world is trying desperately to conform you to its image, squeeze you into its image, especially in the realm of health. The world wants to squeeze you into an image of expectations according to the decade in which you are living. If you're in your 40s, you should be expecting this. If you're in your 50s, you should be expecting this. If you're in your 60s, and, and on and on. And they are conforming you to the image of the medical advice that they want you to take in each decade of your life. Well, you need this drug now. And for the side effects, we have this drug and if there are side effects with that one, then we have this drug. And pretty soon, by the time you're 55, 65, 70 years old, you're taking 14 different medicines because you've been conformed to the way the world thinks and the way the world wants you to think. you got to change your attitude. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And sickness is neither good, nor acceptable, nor perfect. It is a thief that is trying to steal your life. We need to get stirred up, folks, and take back what is ours, and take our inheritance in Christ, and be not conformed to this world. Now, what constitutes an attitude of health and healing? How can you change your attitude? Well, we just read Romans 12 to be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so if we're going to change our attitude, we're going to have to start with how we think. 
So let me show you a great verse on how to think. Let's go to Philippians 4.8. Philippians 4.8. Philippians 4.8, Paul says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things, or King James says, think on these things. Or in other words, take your thoughts captive to that which is good and pure and noble and lovely and true and of good report. Focus yourself on those things. That eliminates sickness right there. There is nothing noble, true, praiseworthy, good about sickness. And yet how much of our time do we spend thinking about our sickness, talking about our sickness, making sure everybody knows how sick we are and how bad it is this time and how many diseases we have and making sure everybody at church knows and all your family knows and talk, 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 talk about sickness. You're not thinking about things that are of good report. You're thinking with the enemy. Your thought life is controlled by the enemy. If we want to have the right attitude, we're going to have to change the way we think. And you're going to have to get into the Word of God and begin to meditate on the Word of God, on the promises of God, on the, on the redemption of the cross, what happened on the cross. These things have been taught thus far. And you're going to have to meditate on those things and perhaps turn off the TV or turn off whatever else you're doing and get yourself focused until you get an attitude against the enemy that is trying to steal, kill, and destroy your life. You can't be victorious in the area of health and healing if you continually feed yourself with negative thoughts, with negative reports, watching negative garbage on TV and watching advertisements for all kinds of medicines and all their side effects. It's nuts what we are being conformed into by the world. But you have the authority to take control of your life and change your thinking and change your attitude. God is calling us to do that. It says in Proverbs 17, 22, a merry heart, a merry heart, a happy heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. There's a lot there. But the joy of the Lord should be our strength. And we should have an attitude of joy, of, of looking forward to tomorrow, not dreading it. A merry heart will do good like a medicine, or there's some medicines that do good. This is being compared in a positive way right now. A merry heart will heal you. This is what's being said at, the, at its core, at its foundation. A joyful heart is an attitude that you must choose in order to overcome the trials and tribulations of life, including sickness. We need to have a joyful heart. You need to learn how to laugh, perhaps. You need to learn how to rejoice with those who rejoice. You need to understand that God is rejoicing over you with joy. These are things that will change your whole attitude, and as your attitude changes, your body will submit to the prevailing attitude, the prevailing thought, the prevailing way that you live your life, your body is going to begin to conform to that. It's already being conformed to the negativity, to the fear, to the anxiety, to the depression. It will conform to that, but you can flip it around. 
And it means changing the way you think and changing what comes out of your heart, changing the words that you speak. All right? Many times it's not the sickness that's the problem. It's the attitude about the sickness. It's whether we've adopted it as our own, whether we've taken possession of it, whether we want to make sure everybody knows about it. It's not the sickness that's the problem. It's the attitude. If you would get the attitude of snake killer, if you would change the way you approach these things and realize your body is a temple of God and He's given this body to you to care for and to reign over, and you become the ruler over your body, you don't wait for your body to tell you you're healed. You tell your body what's up. We'll talk about that more in another lesson. And so we've got to have this more proactive, aggressive attitude that health and healing were purchased for me on the cross, and I'm not going to let any enemy steal it from me. This is an attitude. This is that comes out of the abundance of the heart. Job, if we were to look at a, a negative example, Job said, For the thing I greatly feared has come upon me, and what I dreaded has happened to me. For all of Job's positive qualities, and there are some, nonetheless he lived in fear. And he says, not the thing that I feared, he says, the thing I greatly feared, the thing I dreaded has come to me. He lost his family, he lost his cattle, all of his livestock, he lost his health. And the reason we find out is because he greatly feared all of those events. He worshipped God fearing for his children. He, he sacrificed for them just in case. And so we have all kinds of telltale signs that, that Job lived in fear. And his fear attracted that which he was afraid of, just like faith will attract that which it is convinced of. Fear will attract that which it, it is afraid of. And so your attitude, Job's attitude was one of fear, and everything he feared came upon him. He didn't have the word of God to meditate in day and night. He said about God, I've heard of thee by the hearing of the ear. So he just had secondhand knowledge about God. He didn't have what we have in order to meditate day and night and to get our vision changed, to get our understanding changed, to get our hearts changed so that we might have a godly attitude about our lives and against sickness. Praise God. All right, so I want to move into this deeper now. I want to talk about the power of expectation, the power of expectation. I saw this a few years ago, and when I saw this, this really impacted my life because I was raised, I can say lovingly, in an environment of worry. My mother was a worrier. Perhaps that's just natural to most mothers. I don't know. But that worry about life, about my future, about my grades in school, about this, about that, all of that got sewn into me from the earliest age. And so I had an expectation about life based upon what I had been told were my, was my potential. Well, Barry, you can probably get this far, but you'll never get that far. Uh, Barry, you won't ever get to do this because you're not good at that. And so those things got sewn into me, and perhaps they've been sewn into you. I was never told I could do everything or do anything. I was told this is probably where you're going to end up. Uh, and so that was something I had to overcome. It was an expectation. It was subconscious, perhaps, even. But it was the way I approached life, how I saw myself, as I thought in my heart, 
how I saw God. And so I began to enter into the things of God with a very low expectation level. I came across this verse one day, Philippians 1.20. Philippians 1.20. And just a little phrase out of the verse is what jumped off the page at me. Paul says, according to my earnest expectation and my hope. And then he goes on. It doesn't matter the context right now. It's just the way he phrased that. According to my earnest expectation and my hope. And I thought, well, aren't those the same thing? Expectation and hope. And as I looked it up and began to study it, I found out, no, they're not necessarily the same thing. An expectation, one definition I saw, expectation is an intense anticipation. Intense anticipation. And he goes on to say, according to my expectation and my hope, hope, biblically speaking, is intense anticipation of good. And the light came on. People live with a default expectation about God, about themselves, and about life. They have a foundational default level of what they are expecting. And here's what I've seen in me and in others, is that some people have a negative expectation or an inferior expectation about life, about how much God wants to bless them, about how good they are about in anything. They have an expectation, and many people have a very negative or fear-driven expectation about life. But hope is intense anticipation of good based upon the promises of God. And so Paul says, according to my expectation and my hope, or according to the foundational way in which I approach life, which is positive, and my hope, which is the intense anticipation of God's goodness based upon his promises. And then the Lord added one more thing onto this for me. What is faith? Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the evidence of things not seen, the substance of things hoped for. And here's what I, what I thought, what I realized, is that many Christians who are dealing with sickness have a negative outlook or a negative expectation and expect to be sick or approach it as a sick person trying to get well. They sure hope God will heal them, but their expectation at a, at a very deep level, their expectation is negative. They see themselves as victims. But when they go to church on Sunday, they say, but I'm believing God for my healing. You're not. You can't. Because faith doesn't grow in that soil. Faith doesn't come from negative expectations. Faith doesn't grow in the soil of a negative outlook, of a pessimistic outlook on life and on health and on God. Will he, won't he, if it be his will? That's a negative expectation from which faith cannot grow because faith is a substance of things hoped for and hope is the intense anticipation of God's goodness based upon the promises that we find in the new covenant. You can't be in faith for your healing and for your health if you have a negative outlook on life. It's impossible. The two are contradictory. You can only be in faith for your health and for your life if you're in hope first. An intense anticipation of good, an outlook on life that is positive 
and expects the best and expects the favor of God, expects the blessings of God, expects healing and health, expects prosperity, expects goodness and mercy to follow you all the days of your life. That's an approach to life in which healing, or excuse me, faith can grow in that soil and healing will come. But when our approach to life is negative and we're not sure and maybe he will, maybe he won't and things never really go my way anyway and I'm kind of used to this, it's been this way my whole life and I, you know, who knows what God's going to do but if he wants to heal me, he knows where I live. That is a negative expectation. In farming terms, we could call it salted soil. You're not going to grow anything in salted soil. your, Your own heart is poisoned with a negative expectation out of the abundance of your heart, you're not going to bring forth faith for healing. It can't grow there. This is why this is so important. Our attitude, which is the first term we started with, but more focused now, our expectation. An attitude is one thing. An attitude is, is, perhaps we'll say more superficial, but your expectation really is where your attitude comes from. What are you expecting in life? What are you expecting from marriage? What are you expecting for your children? What are you expecting from your career or your ministry? What are your expectations? And many people will say, well, I haven't really even thought about it. There's the problem. Or subconsciously they have expectations, but they're too embarrassed to to look at them. Because if they're real, really transparent about it with themselves, they'll realize their expectations are down here. Well, I really don't know if I should expect such a good salary. I really don't know if I should expect. And they'll give all the reasons. I don't know if I should expect to be healed because my sickness was my fault to begin with. And see that you've already set the parameters of what you'll allow God to heal based upon how you judge yourself. But overcomers have a different expectation. Overcomers have gotten a revelation of how good God is and that their worthiness or their righteousness isn't from themselves, it's from God, it's a gift. It's called the gift of righteousness. Overcomers see themselves as overcomers. Overcomers talk differently. Overcomers see differently, they hear differently. Overcomers have an expectation of overcoming. It's not that we never have problems. It's that we know we will overcome them by the grace of God because that's that's our expectation in life, to be winners, not to be losers. When we're talking about faith, we're talking about something that can only grow in the soil of positive expectation, which is called hope, the intense anticipation of God's goodness. You can't have faith grow in the intense anticipation of everybody hates me, nobody loves me. You can't have faith in that environment. You can't have faith with a heart that's full of consternation, anxiety. Uh, Will God, does God, will he love me? Does he love me? Will he heal me? I don't know. Maybe if if it's his will. You can't grow faith in that soil. See, your attitude about life and your expectations about life are powerful, powerful weapons in the world of health and healing. 
you're setting your course whether you know it or not. And we look for miracles. We want miracles. We want the gift of healing. We want things to just happen. I get it. But maybe they can't happen because of your outlook on life. Maybe you're blocking the blessings of God through negative expectations, through unbelief in, in your heart. It's not that the grace isn't available. There is grace. For some, even if the grace of healing did overwhelm you and you got healed, are you going to stay healed? Or are you going to continue living with negative expectations? If, if negativity is your outlook on life, then you're not going to stay healed very long because that's the environment for sickness to thrive. You're just opening the garage door and the back door and the front door. The whole house is open for the enemy when you have a negative approach to life. Amen. Pessimism. Pessimism is the breeding ground for unbelief. The breeding ground for unbelief. You're either looking, your, your approach to life, you're either looking at problems or you're looking at promises. That's a good quick test right there. Are you looking at the problems of your life or are you looking at the promises of God? That will tell you pretty quickly where your heart's at. And out of the abundance of your heart, is it a problematic heart or a promise heart? Out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth will speak and you will bring forth your future. If you're a problem-oriented person, then that's your future. That's what you're sowing, that's what you're reaping, that's what you're looking for, that's what you're expecting. If you're a promise-oriented heart, meditating in the promises of God, seeing yourself in those promises fulfilled, in your life. That's a picture of your future. You're going to have what you see. And if life for you is a negative picture, you're going to have that. If life for you is a picture of promises and potential, you can have that. It's going to have to be an attitude change. Expectations are built on information. Expectations are built on memory of how things went in the past and they, we project then how they might go in the future. Expectations are built upon uh, teachings that we've heard, words about God, about ourselves. All of these things, our logic, all of those things add up to expectations. Well, if this is how it used to be or this is how it was that time, then that's what it's going to be like going forward. But that's discounting the word of God. That's discounting the promises of God. For example... If we're talking about the, the parable of the loaves and the fishes, five loaves and two fishes amongst a few people is barely enough. And so based upon experience with five loaves and two fishes in the past, the disciples concluded this is not enough for thousands of people. So their expectation was send them away. We don't have enough for them to eat. See, they base their expectation not upon promises, but upon problems. This isn't enough. This is our experience. Logically speaking, this is no, no way is this enough. But see, that's a negative approach to life. Whereas Jesus took the same five loaves and two fishes and had a different expectation, a different vision. He saw it differently 
and he fed multitudes with 12 baskets left over. Praise God. I mean, this is, this is important, folks. How you evaluate where you're at, how your health is, how you evaluate your health, how you evaluate your future, how you see it. This is your expectation or this is your attitude, and it's going to set the stage for what, you can, what you're going to reap. You can't reap or you can't go in your own heart. If you can't go into the abundant promises of God with your own heart, if you can't see that with your spiritual eyes, you're not going to have it. As you're going to approach life the way the disciples approach the loaves and the fishes. Well, this isn't enough. So your expectations are built on man's wisdom. We'll just break it down more simply here. Man's wisdom or God's wisdom? Which one is setting your course? God's wisdom, God's promises, God's revelation, or man's wisdom, man's logic, man's failure complex? What is setting your expectations? Who, now I'm going to say this again now in a different way, the question is who or what is setting your expectations? Who has set them? Your parents, your teachers, your friends, TV, Hollywood, politics, the doctor, who is setting your expectations? You need to be honest and evaluate that. Because whether you know it or not, you have certain expectations. You have an attitude. It's in the abundance of your heart. And out of that, you're bringing forth your future. So who is setting your expectations? Or what is setting your expectations? What medical the medical society says about cancer is that setting your expectations or is what god has said setting your expectations i i tell the story of my oldest son who 40 years ago uh a little over 40 years ago we were told he was dead in the womb dead the doctor says he showed me a sonogram he says the sack has collapsed the fetus is dead those were his words Based upon living from the natural, I could have adopted the expectation from the medical community, science, thousands of years of doctors and all of this, and I could have said, well, then, that's it. The baby's dead. I could have adopted that expectation based upon the words of a doctor, and I'm not against doctors. This is just simply an example. But I heard God. And when I heard God, a different expectation was born in me because God said, no, that's, that's what came out of my mouth, no. And we didn't go back to that doctor because I didn't need any more of his negative expectations. And my son was born two weeks late, perfectly healthy, and will be 40 next month, perfectly healthy, incredibly successful young man, that had I adopted the expectations of the doctor or of the world, we'll say, he wouldn't be here. He wouldn't be here. Folks, you have no idea how powerful this is. Your attitude, your expectations are coming from somewhere. Where are they coming from? And what is feeding them? Romans 15.13. Romans 15.13 says, Now may the God of hope Praise God. Hope is intense anticipation of good. May the God of the intense anticipation of good, hope, fill you with all joy and peace 
in believing faith. Faith begins with the God of all hope, and it fills you with joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Powerful verse, Romans 15, 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's how a Christian should live. That's the attitude we should have. That's the expectation level that we should have in life, that the God of all hope is filling me with joy and peace as I believe, and my belief can only come from the soil of hope. It can't come from the negative soil of pessimism. I read somewhere a saying, someone said, a pessimist is someone who's always disappointed in the future. I thought, wow, that's profound. A pessimist has already evaluated the future and is not happy with it. That's an attitude. That's an expectation level that is going to set the course of your life. And it's going to impact your health. All of these things have impact in, our, in the realm of our health. When Jesus ministered on the earth, multitudes went after him. And they went to touch him, they went to hear him, they went to be in his presence. Why? Why did they seek him? Because they expected goodness from him. They wouldn't have chased after Jesus if he was busy criticizing and judging and rebuking and making fun of or healing some and not healing others. They wouldn't have chased him out into the wilderness and multitudes follow him wherever he goes. The reason multitudes followed Jesus was because they expected goodness from him. That was their, they weren't faith giants. They weren't theological wizards. They didn't have all of the knowledge perhaps that we have. They simply believed he was that good. They believed in his goodness. That's why they went after him. Or we can say it this way. They expected to be healed. You can go to Acts 5.16. And it says, after Jesus has left now, and Jesus is in heaven, and he's poured out his spirit upon the church, it says in Acts 5.16 that everyone from the surrounding regions brought their sick to the church in Jerusalem. And they were everyone healed. Everybody that came got healed. Why? Because they expected that the goodness of God didn't take off when he left. It's still here. They expected to be healed. What are you expecting? And are you expecting enough to give God glory now? Are you expecting it enough to praise him now? Are you expecting to walk in health and healing? Are you expecting to live out your long life and be satisfied and finish your course are you expecting to do so in health? Are you expecting your youth to be renewed like the eagles? Are you expecting to be filled with his joy, that the joy of the Lord will be your strength? What are you expecting? And see, so many that I see struggling with the issue of health and healing, they're not ex what they're expecting is that somebody will swoop down and make it all go away, but their attitude is negative. They're not convinced. They're hopeful in a... In a in a natural, carnal sense, but they're not hopeful in a biblical sense. 
It's a victim mentality, not a victor mentality. A positive expectation is the birthplace of miracles. Your expectation will either be Bible hope or fear and defeat. Those are your choices. Bible hope based on the promises of God or fear and defeat like the rest of the world. Faith can only spring from the intense anticipation of God's goodness. Faith will only grow in the soil of the intense anticipation of God's goodness. Is he good enough for your situation? Is he that good? And some people will hesitate. There's a lot of folks out there that will even debate me on this. Well, if it is, it will. You can, there's no faith in that. You're robbing God of the only thing that pleases him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And when you tell me that, well, maybe he will, maybe he won't, you've just stolen the capacity to believe without doubting. Now your, your whole thing is based on doubting, and that's an attitude, it's an expectation that's out in the abundance of your heart. You're not going to reap health and healing from that place. Your attitude is a powerful influence for health or for heartache. How you approach life is going to have a lot to do with your health. You're either being conformed to the negativity of the world or you're being conformed to the promises of God. Something is forming you. Something is molding you. Something has your heart. What has your heart? Who has your heart? All right, so let's finish up the last few minutes that I have here. How, how then do we change our expectations? So I've got three things here very quickly. Number one, keep the promises of God in front of you. Keep the promises of God in front of you. Meditate on them. Read the healing stories of Jesus. Read the promises of God. Read about who you are in Christ. Believe it. See it. Choose to see it. Choose to believe it. Choose to declare it with your mouth. Keep the promises of God in front of you. Number two, be aware of what your current expectations are. Be honest with yourself. What are you expecting right now? Not only in the area of health, but in your relationships, in your career, your ministry, whatever you're involved with. What are you expecting from this situation? Well, I haven't really thought about it. That's the problem. What are you expecting in terms of long life? How do you see yourself when you're 80? Well, I hope I'm still around. Well, with that attitude, you might not be. Or I hope I'm still running marathons or still swimming laps or I see myself active, hiking. See, you have, there's something in you that you've either not evaluated it or you have done so negatively. But can you see a positive outcome to your life? What are you expecting? So evaluate your current expectations and discern where they're coming from. Are you basing your life on what the doctor said? If I had done that, I wouldn't have my oldest son. Are you basing your life on what everyone else says you can or cannot do? Or are you basing your life on what the Word of God says? Who has the ultimate word in your life? Because that's where your expectations are coming from. That's where your attitude is being shaped. And your attitude is going to set the course of your life. Number three, train your mind to think God thoughts. Train your mind. Take every thought captive. Train your mind to think God thoughts. It says, I'll read Philippians 4 again. 
Philippians 4, 8 and 9. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest. Well, that you got to turn off the TV already. All right? Nothing true and honest on TV unless you're watching a gospel truth show or something. Uh, but you're going to have to guard your heart from things that aren't true and aren't honest if you're going to have a positive expectation. Whatever things are just, whatsoever things are pure. All right? Are you filling yourself with things that aren't pure? That's going to be a health problem at some point. Whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. This is not a suggestion. This is a key to life, a key to abundant life and health. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, this is Paul saying, do, and the God of peace shall be with you. The God of peace shall be with you. Take control of your thought life. Evaluate where your expectations are coming from. Decide to build your expectations for life on the promises of God and not on the world. Don't be conformed to the world. Make a choice today to change the way you approach life, change your attitude, change your expectations. Give faith a chance. Give faith a chance. Negativity is killing your faith, perhaps. If you're, in a, if you're a negative person. Amen. Let me just say a quick prayer for you. Father, we thank you for the power of your word. We thank you for the life of the word. We thank you for the authority of the word. And Father, we choose to submit ourselves to the word of God and let it transform our hearts and let our attitude, our vision, our expectations come from your promises and not from the world's problems. Father, we thank you for that transformation process. We thank you for health and healing in our bodies. And we give you all the praise and all the glory in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. All right. Well, um, anybody got any thoughts after that? I, um, I noticed that he chose the adjective... Uh, intense anticipation, not just uh, subtle or moderate, uh, but intense. That word hope right there, uh, I actually used this a couple weeks ago. It, it actually says in the Greek, it is intense anticipation. It, it's, it's almost as if you are looking like intently like a watchtowerman you know there's battles and they're looking for someone to that's coming right they're looking you know in the dark looking for the little speck it's i'm i'm trying to get every bit of the detail right so that word right there actually means that so you know it was it's very interesting when you see what Paul says in Philippians chapter 1 because he's really writing a love letter, if you will, to the Philippians because they were, they were the people who gave to him and, and he saw them doing more than just about everybody else in the church. So when you see this word, he was, he was wanting to make sure that they understood his, his intent. Like that he was... He was very much, it wasn't just, I hope it happens.
sometimes. Like I wish, but it was it's it's almost like a baseball player. You're having a pitch and you're intently looking for that ball to be so that you can hit it with the bat. That's what Paul is really trying to get over to us is that is that he wanted the context of that to be so you know emphatic that it was so it was it was an intense hope that I, I I'm 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 not letting it up like I'm not taking a break to, to not see see something different and those are those are some of those things where and I love the way Barry Bennett puts this because you know we get tired I mean everybody worked today right so well, some of you didn't, right? But, but you know, the thing is, is that we we will let our guard down, and we will accept what people tell us, or we will accept the the commercial that says, you know, do, you know, you got the 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 third eye that grows out of the top of your head, and that you need this certain medicine, and everybody goes, you know what, I keep feeling something up there, right? <laughs> People will, will absolutely go to the extreme because they're they're tired or they're mm. or, or they want something else. You know, stress. I, I, say again? Stress. Stress. That'll push you to almost anything. It'll push you and and you're looking for something else to give you relief. And the thing is, is the Word of God is something that we are supposed to intently just put all of our mind on. Uh, when I was going to Karis Bible College, you know, Heather and I would, she would go, man, you just, you come home and you just, I mean, you're just like a, a fire hydrant. You're just like, this is what I learned and this is how it happened. When you get 16 hours a week of the Word, which is what I was getting at Karis Bible College, you walk out of there thinking, man, I can just walk on hell with a water pistol right now. I mean, Satan, I'll smack him in the mouth and we'll just, we'll be done with this. I mean, you are that intent about what is happening in your life. And I'm going to tell you what, you leave it and it's almost like something's been removed from you. I actually had like a depression for a while because I wasn't getting the word 16 hours like that. You say, well, Dusty, why don't you put 16 hours in? Because the world will fill every little gap that you give. And I had to make, I had to make that, you know, time. And that was what was filling my gaps. So that's what Barry's really trying to get us to understand is that we need to understand the the things that try to come in and take our not just our time but also try to come in and, and feed us something that we're not supposed to have have in our hearts. Mm. Anything else? That was a good something you, I didn't get to hear your message Sunday because I was doing children's church, but I was listening to it today, and something you said just really hit home with me, and it's good with healing too. You said you don't try the Word. You do the Word. Do it. And that's the same with healing. You don't try healing. There you, go. you are healed. You are healed. You are healed. First Peter two twenty four says that by his stripes we were healed. So the tense of that of that verb, right? We were something. Well, that means we are something now, right? I always tell people, health. I am health. Just say I'm health, because I am health is the is the present tense form of that 
scripture. You know, uh, Isaiah 53, 4 says that it's looking towards the, the cross. So if you go to Isaiah 53, 4, it's going to say that by his stripes you, you are healed. Well, that had not happened. There was no stripes to actually be healed for. That was back in Isaiah's day. But when, Pe when Peter actually took 1 Peter 2.24 and he wrote it down, well, the cross had already happened. So 1 Peter 2.24, he's, he's, looking, he's looking from the cross forward. So the cross is where the stripes were. The cross is where your healing came from. The cross is where everything's at. So it's already happened. So now if, if it's already happened, then it is it, it's it's who you are. It's your identity. I am hell. Yes. See the rocks of life, which is what I was I was teaching on the grounds right this past weekend. But but you know that the ground is our heart, our, our core belief system. Whatever we believe, I, I like um, you know Romans ten nine ten. You know it it's with the heart that man believeth unto salvation. See, our heart is our belief system. It is the thing that we have. And if we have other things in our belief system, then we'll believe them over the things of God. And so the rocks, the things that are, that are in our heart that people are planting, that the TV's planting, that YouTube's planting, that TikTok's planting, whatever it is, we need to get those out so that our harvest can grow. Amen. 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 I can just preach. I can just stand up here and preach. <laughs> Anything else? Anyone else? You know, one of the things I like about about Barry Bennett is he's he's a teacher. I'm, I love teachers. I, I'm very much. I want. I, I like when people break it down and make it simple, and and you can you know you can get another angle on it, right? One of the things I like about Barry's angle is that he's always trying to get you to understand your place. Not, here's what the Word says, but here's your place in the Word. Mm -hmm. And see, I think that's too often where we get where we get sidetracked is that we don't know our place in the Word. We know that the Word is there. Your Bible is there. But just like I said the other day, in a message, it was like, you know what, well, I can take my Bible, I can burn it, I can throw it away, I can do whatever. It's just words on a piece of paper. But the moment that you actually ingest that and it becomes a part of who you are, it's in your, it's in your heart, then that is when the Word becomes alive. So I, I, think it's, I think it's important for you to know your place in the Word of who you are what you're supposed to be doing and why you're supposed to be doing it. So I love Barry Bennett for that. Anyone else? All right. Well, if not, I'm, I'm going to give you a 10-minute break and then we'll come back.